AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Hi, and welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today on the show, we have Florian Gruning, who is the CEO and founder of PowerPlace.io. Florian, thank you for being a guest on the show, and thank you for coming. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. How are you? <laughs> very good, very good. And myself and Florian, we met, he, he spoke at a meetup of mine that we held at Black Lane, uh, it was a great presentation on the night. It was really, really good. Really good to have him there as well. Um, so, Florian, look, for the people who maybe weren't at the Black Lane Meetup or haven't seen you speaking before, because I know you do it quite a bit, tell us a little bit about your background. My background is basically in economics and um, business administration. Uh, then I studied with a focus on statistics and then slightly moved over into a data science career. Uh, when data science was just about to start, you know, it was like, I guess, 2013 or something like that. And we did there a lot of marketing mix modeling, NLP. We start with a lot of social media analysis and so on. And after that experience, I started my career with my own company, powerplace.io. We started as a AI driven fleet management software and then recognized that nobody wants our software actually, but people were always fascinating by the tech behind it, what we did there. And that is why we nowadays help data scientists themselves. First of all, because I can identify better with them as a target group. And secondly, because I see really a need to help those guys out. So what we basically do is we aggregate external data we form, for example, also unstructured data into structured data. We connect to a lot of APIs, scrape information from websites and put it into a holistic framework that then the data scientists can use. And with that, we save them yeah, up to 30% of the time that they have actually within data collection when it comes to tuning his model. His, for example, demand prediction model or his look um, see site evaluation um, you know of a certain store yeah that is basically some use cases okay <clears throat> cool and look as you mentioned you are beginning to get into data science when it was really much in its infancy 2013 before I suppose it really really yeah. took off you know um, what changes do you see today versus 2013 in data science I mean the changes are massive I mean, they are massive. So um, once the topic were on the table, computing powers and so on, you know, quadrupled um, a thousand times. Software engineers um, got their fingers on the topic of data science. You know, before that, it was something for statisticians working with our, our studio and so on, you know, and then the software engineers came in um, with a lot of Python experience, a lot of frameworks were migrated there. And yeah, nowadays we are at a stage where we see more and more production ready or 
machine learning systems in production you know that help um yeah for example companies like netflix with a recommendation algorithm or something yeah i, I remember i think it was a, a Gubert sort of like comedy strip that i that i seen it was like in 2015 with something like a development manager speaking to his data scientist and he's like hey can you develop us an algorithm that can when we when we show it and label pictures of boards that it's going to tell us it's a board and then he's like great look give me two years and give me a team of five data scientists and then on the next trip down it was like hey do you know what actually about that idea we want the machine to be able to tell us that uh it's two boards by themselves the color of them and they're sitting on a tree and he said that's just impossible and then in about i think it was maybe a year or 18 months later that was then possible yeah so yeah, yeah. the changes went from being actually impossible physically to happening in 12 to 18 months just makes it exciting for where we can be in 12 to 18 months now yeah i mean definitely right if you just see for example also the development with i mean we just talked a little bit before that about deep fakes you know so this was something that was not on the plate three years ago or something i remember actually that during my studies you know um when i went through a reddit forum or something people were talking about it but it was not then that developed you know for that you need a lot of gpu power and a lot of people you know doing also research on that topic because that is another thing right nowadays much more research is done in that kind of field and every six months you have a new kind of neural network trained for a specific use case you know yeah i think um <clears throat> it was quite big when deepfake came out because they were like deepfake and obama and trump and putin and had them saying a lot of uh well, obviously not them, but the faces of them. A lot of things that could cause reputations is a, a lot of damage. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, look, I'm just, I'm just curious. Will we get to a stage where soon enough people will have them on their mobile phone, and like a Snapchat filter, they'll be able to send it to their friends and start making jokes about it. But again, it's what looks like impossible now could be, could be there. Man, definitely. So we wanted to talk about, you know, the lack of people moving into data science and, you know, the consequences around this. But I suppose, look, it's, it's something that is on the rise. We're now seeing data science specific courses coming out in top universities, whereas traditionally everyone's coming from maths, um, bioinformatics, statistics, they come from a whole range of, of backgrounds and, you know, maybe deciding they want to make a change into this. But I suppose, look, from, from you, you know, what do you see as a good transition into data science? What do you hear about people who say, yeah, I'd love to do data science, but aren't doing it, aren't making that move? What, what's, what do you see more common of? First of all, I like to see all those nano degrees, you know, plopping up and um, you can just yeah, assign courses on Coursera and so on and train yourself. That is something good. But... I see more software engineers going into the data science direction, you know, and they do then the Coursera course and so on. And for them, those courses are pretty sufficient. You know, I mean, they see the slides, um, they know their own IDE, how to work with it, you know, and they process really, really fast, you know, and get the next step forward. And with that, or saying that, um, we have those top or those 5% 
of people working in the tech industry involved with data science or software engineering and so on. And the other 95% have nothing to do with software engineering. And at least my experience that I see quite often is that um, people hear the word data science and they like, I don't know, close their eyes, you know, they close the eyes of it, say, oh yeah, you are the expert. It's for, it is a black box and it should always stay for me a black box and so on. And this is basically the reason why in a macro trend, we can end up in a dystopia scenario where people send around deep fakes because just the 5% techies didn't think about the societal impact of it. And the rest, the 95% who have the capacity to think about this kind of stuff, were just not interested enough. Okay. And that is a huge problem for me, or, or what I see as a problem. And sure, Coursera lectures, they can help, but it's just for people who have already triggered with, you know, code or something like that. You know, they are no longer scared of code. And I think that is often a problem. You know, code does not look like Excel, you know, like an Excel sheet. We're all used to Excel since the 90s, especially, you know, in the management positions and so on. And just takes a leap, takes a shift, you know, to think, hey, uh, maybe that is not the best performing structure nowadays with a lot of data around me. You know, back then we basically we used Excel or Excel was developed as data input program. You know, then the formulas came on it to, you know, craft, transform some data, you know, and then more and more data came up and suddenly we have Power BI in, in, in our Microsoft Office site, you know. So what I think is people need just to do a paradigm shift in thinking, you know. And yeah, it's, it's quite difficult to arise or, or, or find out why they are actually scared of it. I just know that it can cause a lot of problems. Well, for my own research uh, on recruitment of I know it's in and around 35% of all data science positions that are advertised actually go unfilled. Um, and then again, you know, we wanted to go further into this, we wanted to find out more. And I think it's like between 60 and 70% of those say it's lack of talent or talent available. Yeah, yeah. So look, data science has the potential to create so many jobs and completely change how individuals are dealing with technology like, what do you think are the big consequences of not having enough data scientists the short or midterm consequences might be that just those power companies like google facebook uh, microsoft and so on you know they have enough money enough resources enough surrounding to attract the talent and that makes them even stronger and let's say maybe like you know smaller producing companies who make also a lot of revenue but just just not sexy enough you know to attract those talents and i guess they have a problem with not following you know the trend build their own solutions and so on because in the end they are going to buy the solutions that were produced by data science and data engineers of microsoft you know so they don't have their hands on it. They don't develop their own products for their own use case. And we have just a stronger focus on, you know, the big five tech companies um, who have enough power to attract exactly that kind of um, talent. 
and they have also the power for example to recruit people and then do out of them data scientists you know i mean how much how efficient their hr is it's just crazy so they recruit people who might have the interest in becoming a data scientist and after that paying them um you know the courses on Coursera or giving them free time for those courses yeah. i guess that is even right now happening i guess amazon said something like that just this last week you know that they um, have in mind to convert thousands of employees into data analysts business and analysts and data scientists so that is the short and midterm consequence is it going to be a long-term problem though you know are we are we seeing the european commissions you know act on this are we seeing the german government body see that yeah do you know what this is where there's a lot of talent required and it's actually you know it's generating a lot of revenue streams it's generating a lot of taxes whether it be companies paying taxes by making money or whether it be a lot of people relocating to Germany and then paying taxes. So it's in their interest to see this succeed. Sure. I, I mean, it should be in the interest of Germany, but you know, I, I don't see it on the agenda. You had just a discussion about the AI um, artificial intelligence budget, you know, which was also after announcing it shortened it directly after that. So seeing also how the government is working, no, I don't see the really an initiative of um, Germany and not even in Europe, you know, I mean, sure, you have some differences, especially if you go to the northern countries and so on, yeah, and the awareness of technology. Sweden do uh, programming in school for kids. Yeah. It's part of their, their, their school curriculum. Not I'd like that. I'd like to see it brought in. I heard I heard a lot of stuff saying it was going to happen in Ireland, but uh, yeah, I heard a lot about it and nothing happening. You know exactly this kind of activity takes out being scared of cold. You know what I mean. We have just talked about it. How do we get out? Yeah, being scared of you know the cold side, seeing it as a black box and seeing it as such a big black box that um, people don't put enough energy and effort into understand this black box you know and you could overcome that when you just give as early as possible some coding lessons at school you know and because there's not really a miracle in coding you know i i mean it's just a certain framework of thinking i i personally think it's it's a fair thing you know if you're leaving school and if you feel you're not the most intelligent person and you're told hey you'd make a great software developer you would make a great engineer oh i wasn't good at maths or exactly so much i didn't i didn't do too well in, in leaving school so i don't think i'd ever make a good software developer man but it's a completely different way of applying yourself in business as it is to academia i mean at least i can just talk for germany because i went to high school in germany right but this i mean what happens in high school does not tell anything about your competence your capabilities and you're totally right that people always kind of saying those lazy arguments you know using those lazy arguments ah, i'm not good at math i'm not going to be a good software engineer you know i cannot do the difference between left and right hand and have problems with reading analog watches you know so what does that tell <laughs> about my skills i don't know not so much there's no correlation i would say so 
yeah, we need to get rid of this kind of argumentation. I mean, exactly. So changing this in the long, long term would mean changing how we understand high school, you know, and maybe establishing a coding lecture in high school, you know. I mean, it's right now also there, but it's like you can choose it, you know, it's yeah. not mandatory. And especially when we're talking about the educational system, I guess just adding a coding lecture or class won't solve the problem because look, it's, you know, we have right now huge demand of software developers. So in 20 years, people become more and more software engineers. Somewhere the demand will be satisfied. Then you need good software engineers Then you need good big data analysts and scientists and so on. You need people who adjust to changing to the changing world, you know, like, I mean, in software engineering, you have that like since day one, different frameworks coming out, different languages and so on, you know, so you don't need to study to be a good software engineer. That is also another fact, you know, that Google and so on realized. New, new tools coming out from AWS every week. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's, it's actually, it's probably more difficult to be an AWS expert now because when you learn and you really upskill yourself on, on the products that they're providing, they come out with one with an automated solution of everything that you spent a long time learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty good time to be a software engineer because that gives you more time to be a specialist in another area or, yeah. a, or, a, or, a, non, or a product that has a non-enterprise function. Yeah, I mean, this is the second cornerstone, I would say, I would say for our solution of the bigger problem, you know, that we are discussing. It is like accepting that our world is much, much faster changing than just a year ago, you know, and it's going on and going on and it's going on. So it's a, um, you know, an exploding curve, you know, of changes that are coming. So high school and also university is not adjusting to that. So that brings then Microsoft, Google, Amazon, even JP Morgan to say, hey, it's no longer necessary to have like um, a master degree, a bachelor degree or something else, you know, because the whole lectures that you have is based on old fashioned knowledge, you know, so it's not practical knowledge that you need in a fast changing world, you know. And I think if you if you look at it, I know from my experience, I've spoken to a couple of more mature people, um, maybe 25 years experience in tech yeah. would have never went and done a tech degree because it wasn't a thing at the time they ended up you know coming in as maybe like a bi or a ba and then start showing their hand into software development these guys are rock star coders now you know because they're applying it in a business sense for me what i learned about me is that in a classroom setting i was never gonna excel but when it came to applying it in a business sense where i could actually see where it would not only benefit me but benefit someone else and i seen the value in it then i was able to really understand that as how it was important and why it was important yeah 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 oh so context might be another cornerstone yeah yeah so i suppose it's a it, it's i've got a, another question now and i think it's very relative so media are telling the world the wrong message that ai is going to take all your jobs it's going to be no cashiers you know aliexpress or alibaba the warehouse a lot of their uh, pickers and droppers are robots and autonomous so is this and I know from again 
every one job data science takes away it's creating three more jobs in its place <clears throat> and that's that's the the background to it but will this shift will that also push more people moving towards software engineering do you think they're a little bit more confident to say hey if the machine's going to take my job i'm going to get a job making the machine no i mean i mean it depends of course in in which generation or on which generation we are talking you know if like we are talking now on stereotypes you know it's a 50 years old michael who's driving the truck all the time you know being replaced by an autonomous driving truck no chance that he's becoming a software engineer i don't want to say no chance you know but on a stereotype on a flat line on average all this kind of stuff how should he become you cannot just tell him it's somebody who was driving the truck for 30 years okay now you need to do that course and become a software engineer you know and for the younger generation i have much more hope you know so the younger generation perceives also the technology that is right now the ground base for everything else like internet in a completely different way even different than you and me you know they have a different they live in a different time you know i mean maybe i will say or they will say in 15 years oh man i don't understand this time anymore and stuff like that you know because it's really the growth in technology is really escalating all the time but at least they are aware that there's something coming you know the media is covered by it right now i'm also not a huge fan of the media but i think there's some truth into it you know so 2025 like 52 percent of processes will be automated and this is like an uplift of 80 percent compared to today yeah and now we take you know into consideration the whole technology stuff so in 2030 already 70 percent could be replaced and this is a question that maybe 16 years old people nowadays talk or discuss with their parents on the table when deciding what to do next you know so for the younger generation i have big hope you know that software engineering will be a, just a part of them you know and they will learn it also without a specific course you know that were taught in high school or something but a bigger problem especially in germany i guess same goes for ireland and uk oh i'm not sure but in germany at least we have a lot of old people you know and a growing share of old people and older people so all those silver gorillas you know between 40 to 50 and so on too old maybe for what is currently happening because they didn't get the awareness for it or they had not the possibility you know to change or something else they didn't have the mindset shift and so on so those people might get super super depressive and bored when they're going to lose their job now florian look uh, i really appreciate your input on all of this but thanks a million everyone for listening uh, i'm your host anthony kelly of the ai in action podcast Today's guest was Florian Gruning, who is the founder and CEO of PowerPlace.io. Florian, thank you for being on the show. Yes, thank you. 
AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career, and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.